Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 54 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with Phil DeMont Mollen. He is the voice, the face, the handle at Announcer Sched. And of course, you can follow him like over 25,000 of you are on Twitter. So continue to follow uh, the Twitter feed for all things announcers as we take you on a journey of this week's announcer schedules and everything that's happening in the announcers world. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow we will be recording with uh, George Sedano for the podcast. So today we have a standalone uh, announcer schedules pod, and we will drop another standalone interview with George Sedano tomorrow. So make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe to the feed so when that George Sedano interview drops, you guys can get that. Phil, what's going on, man? Fourth of July weekend is here. Yeah, here we are, Fourth of July weekend. You know, I went to sleep last night. We're both on the the East Coast, and you know, the Yankees and A's were were playing in about the sixth inning, and I just couldn't stay up much longer. But uh, woke up, and a perfect game went down last night. Just the twenty fourth in MLB history. Yeah, we'll uh, dive into that. Uh, coming up in just a minute. If you missed any of our archives, go back. Kate Scott was on the podcast. Brian Boucher was on the podcast. Pat McCarthy was on the podcast. That was episode 52, 51, 50. Mark Jones, uh, we talked to him ahead of the uh, NBA Finals about his journey. That was episode 48. So go back and check out some of those. Kate Scott, Brian Boucher, Pat McCarthy, Mark Jones in recent times as we turn the calendar almost to July. We got a lot of baseball and let's dive right into it, Phil. As you mentioned, we had a perfect game last night. So uh, an interesting scenario for this perfect game as uh, the Yes Network uh, had Ryan Rucco in for Michael K last night. So Ryan Rucco, who many people know from the WNBA, a lot of ESPN, uh, NBA games, he got the chance to call a perfect game last night. Yeah, Ryan Rucco on the, the television side filling in for Michael K. Uh, to my understanding, Michael Kay has, has been on vacation also this week for his you know radio show up in, in the New York City market also. He was in London this past weekend calling that, that London series for ESPN, uh, and he'll be back on the air uh, this weekend, I know, on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball with another K-Rod cast, but really uh, serendipitous for, for the young broadcaster, Ryan Rucco, you know, um, to get this opportunity to, to call a perfect game. There's just been, as I mentioned, 24 in, in all the history of, of baseball all these years and uh, kind of wild that, uh, you know, the, the, the fill-in gets this big opportunity out there in Oakland. Yeah, and uh, he did it with Jeff Nelson last night on Yes Network. Let's take a listen. Ryan Rucco, Domingo Herman with the fourth perfect game in Yankees history they have more than anybody else uh, here's what it sounded like on the Yes Network last night in his way. grounded to third Donaldson has it there it is perfection for Domingo Herman
All right, there you go. Ryan Rucco with the call. Jeff Nelson as well. Uh, the 24th perfect game. Long layout there, about a 25-second layout, Phil, for um, Rucco, who doesn't call a lot of baseball, and he gets his history in this call. Yeah, you know, he's been part of this Yankees telecast uh, rotation, you know, where he gets opportunities from time to time when, when Michael Kay isn't uh, doing the games to do play-by-play. But, you know, typically you'd see him in like a hosting or reporter role if he if he's doing baseball. And, you know, like you said, you know, you, you see him on basketball, it seems more than anything, especially uh, whether it be the NBA, WNBA, uh, women's college basketball, he's become ESPN's lead voice for that. But big opportunity here, you know, as I mentioned, Michael Kay, uh, coming off that trip to to London, I'm I'm curious if you know Michael Kane. We'll, we'll get to the radio side and also uh, John Sterling in a second. But you know, it's all the way out on the West Coast. It's Oakland of all places. So I wonder if it's like, yeah, I'm gonna you know that's one of the series, and I'm coming off the trip to London. That's one of the series I'm gonna, gonna take off. I'll let Ryan handle matters and. And uh, yeah, Ryan gets this this big opportunity. You mentioned Jeff Nelson, his partner. Um, you know, you often see David Cohn, who actually, you know, threw the most recent Yankees perfect game. And we'll talk about that a little bit as well before we're done here. He was not there either and uh, did call into the postgame show. So they were able to, to um, involve him there, obviously, to give perspective, having thrown a perfect game himself. But big, big opportunity here for Ryan Rucco, sort of a signature moment and, you know, something he'll he'll never forget, obviously, and that will go down in the, the annals of Major League Baseball history. People will be playing that clip for a long, long time. He mentioned as part of the call there that everybody will remember where they were June 28th, 2023, and I'm sure he'll remember where he was, too, calling a perfect game. On the radio side, you mentioned John Sterling. Well, Sterling has cut his schedule back, so he also was not on the call for history last night in Oakland. Take a listen. And Herman, the righty, deals to the plate. Swung on, ground ball to third. Donaldson's up with it. He throws to first. Domingo Herman has pitched a perfect game. For the fourth time in the history of the New York Yankees, perfection attained. Herman being mobbed at home plate by a full Yankee dugout coming out to congratulate the 30-year-old from the Dominican Republic on a chilly night in Oakland, California. Domingo Herman has tossed the 24th perfect game in Major League history. All right, so Justin Shackill with the call with Susan Waldman on uh, WFAN New York. So no John Sterling there. And two young guys are a part of history. Uh, kind of break down uh, that pairing there with Justin and Susie. And, you know, we talk about John Sterling. He has cut back his travel a lot. He doesn't do these road trips. But it sounded, if you heard, he had a little layout there, not quite as long as the television side, obviously. But you did hear a lot of cheering from uh, Yankee fans that are out in Oakland. Yeah, you know, at this time last year, Mike, if you recall, we were following the, you know, who's going to be the John Sterling successor story quite a bit because he started to cut back considerably, you know, on some of his travel and, and whatnot last year. And it seemed to be kind of like a rotation of uh, tryouts of sorts as far as who uh, would be the backup to John Sterling. And, 
you know, you would think in the driver's seat to, to potentially be his successor as well. And it seems like Justin Shackle has, you know, emerged into that role, you know, just before the season. And it was announced that he'd be the primary, you know, post-game show host for the Yankees radio network. Uh, he's been filling in for Sterling this season, a grand total of, you know, at least uh, 30 games, I believe he'll do before the season's done and working alongside the, you know, the, the veteran in uh, Susie Waldman and Shackle, you know, uh, this is a bit of a quick rise. If you ask me, you know, um, you know, you would see him doing, you know, games for college basketball here and there, New York Liberty uh, play-by-play on the WNBA side. But uh, he's really emerged uh, quickly, I think, as, you know, the uh, top play-by-play voice behind John Sterling as far as that fill-in role and also potentially uh, succeeding Sterling. And meanwhile, just like Ryan Rucco, he gets the opportunity to call a perfect game. They've got a lot in common, those two. They're good friends, first of all. They, you know, they... um, a photo was posted of the two of them showing off their scorecards together that the fact that they caught a perfect game together. Uh, They're both the same age. They're both 36 years old and they both are uh, alums of Fordham university. So they both came up, you know, in the, at the same school and, and learned their broadcasting chops at the same place. Fordham, by the way, uh, the alma mater of the late great Vin Scully. And also, you know, interestingly enough, Michael Kay. So, you know, big night for the the Fordham uh, Broadcasting School last night as well. But, you know, just really kind of a cool story that both Justin and Ryan are able to call this perfect game. It happens in, in Oakland, of all places, where they've had, you know, historically low attendance and things like that. So it was kind of a, you know, a trippy scenario of sorts that going down late last night. And, you know, history was made and. You know, I think both of them from from all accounts, you know, I've been, you know, kind of following a lot of the, you know, um, reaction in terms of how the calls went and that kind of thing. But, you know, the majority of people think both Justin and Ryan did a really nice job, you know, calling this perfect game. Yeah, perfect game. You don't see them often. So when you get that opportunity, you better nail it. And both guys did a good job. Uh, Rucco. Obviously, as we mentioned, does a lot of basketball. So for him to kind of get that moment, uh, we'll be interested to see, um, you know, uh, if uh, people now relate to him more for baseball. Because I definitely think people think Orion is more uh, of a basketball guy. Justin obviously has kind of carved his niche in the baseball world. And uh, 24th game, perfect game uh, for Domingo Herman last night. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things with perfect games and no hitters that we can kind of touch on that broadcasters uh, have an interesting part of. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of superstitions around these perfect games and no hitters and how a broadcaster is supposed to handle things. Um, a couple more you know, notes, and, and it'll weave back into that very superstition with a story I was able to, to find. You know, David Cohn threw a perfect game in 1999. Interestingly enough, you know, he's he's a broadcaster now for the Yes Network along with ESPN. Uh, for those wondering who called that David Cohn perfect game, on the TV side, you know, locally in the New York City market, it was Bobby Mercer and Tim McCarver on the TV side. Don Larson, who called the famous perfect game in 1956 for the Yankees, he was actually at Yankee Stadium that day and uh, it happened to be Yogi Berra Day as well. And he came into the booth, you know, for an inning of the broadcast. Susan Waldman was the TV reporter for that game, the David Cohn perfect game. And she interviewed Cohn 
post game. And then over on the radio side, the two guys that we've been talking about who, you know, missed this opportunity to call uh, the perfect game that went down in Oakland with uh, Herman, John Sterling and Michael Kay were on the radio call. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, for that David Cohn game. And they were also the 1998 crew with the David Wells perfect game TV for the David Wells perfect game in 98, Al Trotwig, Jim Cott, and Ken Singleton. Hmm. And that brings me back to Sterling and Kay because I was looking back and reading some about the Cone perfect game. And check out this Cone, or check that Sterling and Kay were talking about the perfect game that David Cone was throwing as early as the third inning. What they didn't know was that the radio was on in manager Joe Torrey's office. And Cone went to Joe Torrey's office, I guess that's his routine, in between innings. So he would go in there, catch a breather, you know, chill out. And meanwhile, here's his quote, I could hear it on the radio. I'm not a big believer in jinxes, but I heard the word perfect game about a hundred times <laughs> for four or five innings. Believe me, there's nothing to that jinx because I heard it and it didn't work, said Cone regarding Sterling and Kay. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, people were starting to bring it up. You know, uh, Ruko, I think, was sort of um, alluding to it, but not talking about it directly. Like I, I saw one clip where he sort of said, hey, you'll want to stick around for the rest of this game, you know, tonight kind of thing. Um, just sort of these like little hints. But, uh, yeah, it's always an interesting discussion amongst broadcasters, you know, as far as this jinx. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to think that someone could jinx something, <laughs> you know, from from a, a microphone in a press box that's happening on the field. But even so, people take these baseball superstitions, um, you know, not lightly. And uh, it's always an interesting discussion. How does a play-by-play announcer handle a potential no-hitter or perfect game as they're going down? Uh, yeah, good conversation there. Good insight, too, from Cone to hear that. And, uh, hey, um, sometimes the superstition is that it seeps into your subconscious and you start thinking about it. Yeah, you know, maybe so. You know, and, and I, I can understand the superstition in the dugout, right? Like with the the actual players and, you know, that, you know, that's obviously – um sacred down there and that kind of thing but unless someone is hearing it on the radio like cone did in tory's office you know come on like the 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 (laughs) the chances that an announcer i mean like if you're in the dugout and you say to the pitcher hey you got a perfect game going but you're right the 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 broadcaster thing you know they're probably not tapping into that uh speaking (laughs) of broadcasters let's go over the pond and take a look back at what happened uh in the london series i'm actually i don't know if you know this phil uh, the Phillies are playing the Mets next year. I think you know that. But I'm going to try to go to that game next season. Nice. I want to try to go there. Um, the ambassador, I don't know if you saw any of Chase Utley's work. He's the ambassador for Major League Baseball for the London games. And he was talking a lot about how the, the sport's growing over there. But we got to see the Cubs and Cardinals. Uh, Derek Jeter made his debut on Fox. And you got, uh, as you mentioned, Michael Kay, A-Rod, and Tim Kirkchin called the game on Sunday morning for ESPN. And, uh, yeah, the the London game, looking forward to I'm, I'm, we're, we're, A bunch of friends of mine, we're all talking about trying to get over there next year. 
Yeah, it seemed like a really cool experience all the way around. Obviously, you know, um, Fox and ESPN both deployed a lot of resources. And as you mentioned, Derek Jeter making his, uh, you know, pregame studio debut there on Fox. You know, there was a lot of kidding around, especially with the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry uh, with, you know, Jeter and uh, David Ortiz and and A-Rod and so forth. And then uh, Fox that afternoon with their number one crew, uh, Smoltz and, and uh, Joe Davis handling the call. And then Sunday morning on ESPN, as you mentioned, Kay, A-Rod, and Kirkjian. It's always interesting to me, you know, uh, we talk about, you know, different contracts and that kind of thing. The fact that A-Rod has these big deals with both Fox and ESPN, I mean, uh, that's, you know, something else that he's able to to um, double dip like that with the, the two networks. But, you know, um, you know, it seemed like overall a successful London series. I don't know if, where the TV ratings exactly landed, but I heard a couple things that they were down a little bit compared to the, the first London series, which I think was a Yankees Red Sox matchup. So that might have been the, the, the case there. But, uh, yeah, you know, it seemed like it, it certainly attracted some attention and maybe grew the sport over there in Great Britain. Yeah, that is something that they're trying to do, obviously, uh, is to get that international money, get the opportunity for more exposure overseas. And, uh, well, the uh, London game, we got that. And uh, we also got a little London flavor, Darren Fletcher, on the call. It's a big hit by Swanson that's going all the way back. Is it going to get over the wall? It is. It's into the bullpen. And that might be the exclamation point on a great Chicago Cubs victory here in London tonight. A long bomb from Dansby Swanson, two-run homer, and the Cubs lead the Cardinals 9-1. All right, that's BT Sports. If you are familiar with their work, they do a lot of uh, sports over there on BT Sports. Darren Fletcher with that call. I saw a lot of positive thoughts about, hey, we need to get more of these London calls into baseball. Yeah, I thought it was great you know, and to hear Darren Fletcher do it. He's a big voice when it comes to uh, soccer in uh, England in particular with the, the Premier League and, and, and so forth. And so I think a lot of people who you know knew him from soccer uh, thought it was really interesting to, to see him uh, handle baseball. And that call, that home run call, you know, went viral a bit uh, over here on U.S. soil as well. Yeah, by the way, the uh, ratings for that, according to uh, Sports Media Watch, John Lewis over there, who always does a great job, hat tip to him, that series had a uh, 1.8 million viewers on Fox Saturday, 1.1 million on Sunday, both way down from Yankees-Red Sox, uh, which had 1.4 million and 2.2 uh, uh, million viewers in the second game. So uh, a big drop. Remember, that game was four years ago, so viewing habits have changed a lot in the four years, but neither game was the most watched Major League Baseball telecast of the day. Fox had 1.9 million for the Saturday night regional window, and ESPN did 1.7 for Sunday night baseball with Astros Dodgers. Now, keep in mind, the London game was 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so that could have affected it as well. But, yeah, the the ratings were down on that. But that's Darren Fletcher with the call. And um, you heard that uh, BT Sports 1 is the outlet over there uh, in London. Upcoming Major League Baseball this week, we've got the Apple Plus Cruise out on Friday. And we've got a lot of baseball on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday because of the 4th of July you're getting some national stuff. Yeah, and – you know, it's just a little behind the curtain as far as, you know, providing all the 
announcer pairings for the Twitter feed. I've been trying to piece together what's coming this weekend. Sometimes it's a little bit of a, a jigsaw puzzle because, you know, there aren't necessarily announcements for all these announcer pairings. But, you know, Apple TV Plus on Friday night, Brewers and Pirates, followed by D-backs and Angels. So the conventional wisdom would say that uh, the Wayne Rendazzo crew would be out at the D-backs Angels game. Rendazzo, of course, a uh, now the primary play-by-play announcer for the Angels broadcast as well. Uh, Dontrell Willis is who's been working with with Ray, R- Rondazzo. And as a result, you can expect Alex Faust and his crew with Brewers Pirates. So those would be sort of the educated guesses there. Saturday, July the 1st, we do know the Giants-Mets game is going to have a ESPN radio uh, broadcast nationally. Mike Cousins, uh, former guest of the podcast, along with Tim Kirkjian there. There was a Fox... Um, you know, uh, national split three ways. There's three Fox broadcasts at 7.15 p.m. on Saturday night. Dodgers, Royals, Guardians, Cubs, and Rays, Mariners. Still looking for confirmations on those pairings, but we do know the Guardians-Cubs game will be Adam Amin, A.J. Pruszynski, and Ken Rosenthal. Sunday, you've got a Peacock game, Twins and Orioles. And then Sunday Night Baseball's Giants-Mets. We mentioned K-Rod Cast is going to be over on ESPN2 along with the, the main telecast on ESPN with Carl Ravitch and company. ESPN Radio on Sunday night will be John Shambi and Tim Kirkjian. There's a couple FS1 games on July the 3rd. And then July the 4th, you know, we talked about this um, you know, with with some other holidays and opening day uh, comes to mind that there doesn't seem to be national TV games happening, even though it's July the 4th. And, you know, I, I kind of equate, you know, any given holiday with an opportunity to sit around and, and turn on some sports, live uh, national sports. But it uh, doesn't seem to be happening unless I'm missing something on Tuesday, July the 4th on the television airwaves. There are a couple of ESPN radio national games on the 4th. Orioles, Yankees, Sean Kelly and Doug Glanville will handle that one. And then our uh, buddy, former guest of the podcast, Roxy Bernstein, will be along with Tim Kirkjian. So Kirkjian doing three radio games uh, this week. And... Um, and uh, he'll be on with Roxy for Braves Guardians, but plenty of opportunities. You know, I'm sure most of the hardcore baseball fans who listen to our podcast as well, you know, have their regional options also. So I'm sure they'll be be locked in on, on their favorite teams. But, you know, we, we usually keep an eye on the national scene and, you know, plenty going on over these next few days. That's for sure. Yeah, the only thing I see, uh, ESPN Plus has uh, the, the Cardinals and, and Marlins game at one o'clock on the 4th of July. So, yeah. Nothing on national television, um, and, uh, you know, that's a little disappointing. I like to see a little ball game, you know, uh, all day long. They do have games starting at 11 o'clock in Washington, 1 o'clock with the Yankees and Orioles. Great matchup there. Uh, that would be a fun game to watch to get your day started before you get the grill ready to go. you got the Phillies in Tampa, you know, a World Series rematch of 08, and Tampa's the best team in baseball right now. Um, so yeah, a little, little surprising, I guess you could say that there is, yeah, no what are games. they, are they clearing out for the hot dog eating contest or something? You know, yeah, they, just, you would imagine you know, they don't about, want to go up against that. That's a good point. You know, we should, <laughs> we should probably talk more about the guy who does the play by play. What's his name? The guy who owns the, uh, the hot dog eating contest. That guy's great, man. He, he's a, he's an all-star, but yeah, they have a lot invested in that. In that hot dog eating contest, it takes, I think it's like an hour programming, so they can probably get a game in there, but uh, interesting note there. Um, 
All right, let's go back to the College World Series because we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, how Ravage did a game, Cousins did a game, and it ended up going to that third game. They had to go back to Carl Ravage and that crew. Yeah, so interesting, you know, how that Florida LSU series ended up uh, shaking down. This was, you know, kind of referred to as one of the most exciting College World Series, you know, uh, front to back that there's ever been. Uh, however, a couple of blowouts in those last two games of the championship series and ultimately LSU wins, uh, as you know, we mentioned Carl Ravage kind of, um, you know, shuffling back and forth, you know, he pulled off a Sunday night baseball game the night before, but then back in the saddle in Omaha, along with Chris Burke and Kyle Peterson, Chris Budden, was the sideline reporter uh, who had the opportunity to interview the the winning team and so forth, and you know was able to uh, cause some more history. You know, Carl Ravich with the uh, final out as LSU uh, defeated Florida, and you know just a, a great event all the way around. I'm a big fan of the College World Series, and, and this year's edition certainly delivered. Yeah, let's take a listen at uh, how it all finished off. As you know, the College World Series uh, is the culmination of the the baseball season at the college level, obviously. And you got LSU, the champions. There it is, and for the first time since two thousand and nine, and seventh overall, the Tigers can say we are champions. Paul Ravage on the call with a uh, little addition there from Ed Orgeron giving you the go Tigers there at the end. Uh, Kind of an anticlimactic situation because of the score. Yeah, you know, because of the score, a little anticlimactic, but certainly a big moment when anyone's crowned national champion. So, you know, you you need to raise it up a, a level there. And I think Carl did. Now, that Ed Orgeron, go Tigers, go Tigers, little little drop. I Can you help piece this together, Mike? Was it one of the announcers in the booth, either Ravage, Burke, or Peterson, doing an imitation of Ed Orgeron? Oh, Was no. it the uh, truck dropping it in while the, uh, Ravage and company were letting it breathe? It was really kind of out there, this little, like, almost like uh, – bit of humor uh in the in the in the yeah. final call there but i'm not sure exactly how it was pulled oh, off I, I definitely think it was a drop I, I don't think one of the i could be wrong about that i don't know if anybody listening out there uh has a, a, an opinion on that I, I figured it was a drop that was placed in there uh from the truck i mean it certainly wasn't ravage well burke or peterson maybe you know saying, doing it doing it certainly it, wasn't it, ravage it could have been one of the other two but it sounded pretty authentic to me yeah, I mean, just to have – you don't see drops like that on national, uh, you know, live broadcasts of sports. Obviously, it happens a lot in your world of uh, talk radio and so forth, but a drop in the in the middle of a final uh, call of a, of a national championship game um, – Pretty pretty wild stuff, and I, I thought it was it was it was it was fun. It was cool. It got got some people's attention, that kind of thing. But I would like to hear the the backstory from either the you know the producers or from from Carl or somebody. Uh, I, that that's pretty pretty interesting there, and uh, you know, I, pretty cool that they pulled it off. Now let's go to the radio side. Westwood One's Kevin Kugler, former guest of the podcast. It sounded like this: no balls, two strikes. The wind of the pitch, swing and a miss. It's over. 
and it's lucky number seven for LSU, their seventh national championship. And for just the second time in men's college World Series history, a team has won seven national titles. The LSU Tigers, men's college World Series national champions. All right, Kevin Kugler, well-researched, well-fact uh, there for the LSU Tigers, seven college world championships. Again, the anticlimactic nature of it doesn't have this like, historical call feel to it, but he gave you the seven lucky sevens. Bang. Kugler always well-associated, um, you know, uh, especially on Westwood One Radio. Yeah, and Kevin Kugler is his partner, you know, for the the championship series, Scott Graham. I mean, I just love hearing those guys' voices, you know, as much as anything. They, you know, they have so much credibility to them and, you know, they're so in, in, insightful, informative, that kind of thing that, you know, I could I could settle in and, and listen to them, you know, just read off notes and, and numbers, you know, and that kind of thing and and I would I would enjoy it, but uh really cool that, you know, Kevin got to call yet another a college world series when we had him as a guest of the podcast and you spoke quite a bit, how that's just such a big part of his uh, roots and, and so forth. So cool that, you know, he was able to get back there and also Westwood one involving the local Nebraska uh, announcers through all the preliminary games as well. So uh, a hat tip to Westwood one. And, you know, they're very devoted to, to events like the the college world series. And, you know, I, I think that's really appreciated by the, you know, the, the, um, folks who are in the sport, you know, that, that a, uh, organization like Westwood one would, would take the college world series so seriously that, you know, they get out there for a, for a couple weeks and, and really put together a first class pro- product the same way they would handle up, you know, an NFL game or something, you know, it, it really says a lot about, you know, their value of the college world series. By the way, Kevin Kugler talked about his time, uh, at the world series and how that kind of kicked off his career back in episode six of the Announcer Schedules podcast. If you want to go back to the archives and listen to Kevin Kugler's journey to Omaha, let's go to the NFL where it looks like we're going to get more Tiki Barber. Uh, he got a promotion over in his radio world, and it looks like he's going to get a full schedule of games in the NFL for CBS. Yeah, Tiki Barber, kind of like uh, on the hot list right now in terms of you know uh, announcements coming out about him. You mentioned you know getting that uh, new assignment with the um, afternoon drive up there in, in New York City on the sports talk side. Well, uh, the news is uh, a report first by Andrew Marshan of the New York Post that Tiki Barber will work a full schedule this year of CBS games as an analyst up in the booth. Uh, he worked a limited schedule these last few years. Last year, he worked with Tom McCarthy, another former guest of the podcast. Also, Beth Moens before that in 2019 and 2020. He's also been a partner of our partner, TJ Reeves, on college football games over on Compass Media. Um, you know, we've talked to TJ about some of those travel stories as far as uh, he and Tiki uh, getting off to NFL assignments on Sunday after working college football games on the radio on Saturday. But uh, yeah, Tiki Barber will continue to keep an eye on him as he continues to, you know, um, uh, gain assignments here. And then there's also uh, related to that Jason McCurdy 
will call a limited schedule of CBS games as an analyst in 2023. Not sure who the play-by-play announcers and the pairings will be with, with these guys, but we'll see McCourty some also in the booth on the TV side. Uh, he's worked uh, Westwood get one games with Ian Eagle amongst others, and is also a co-host of the show. Good morning football on the NFL network. Yeah. I think his brother is getting a lot of work as well. So you're going to see the McCourty twins doing a bunch of NFL. They will be infiltrating uh, the NFL market. So listen uh, for that. USFL championship game is Saturday. Yeah, last weekend were the the semifinals, and then on Saturday, July the 1st, um, I've got a personal interest in this Maulers-Stallions matchup in Canton, Ohio, because our head football coach, where I work, Brevard College, NCAA Division Three in the mountains of Western North Carolina, our head football coach is the uh, an assistant coach, tight ends coach for the for the Maulers. So we're rooting for the Maulers in this one, uh, Mike. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, NBC will have the coverage of this. Um, haven't seen the announcement yet to to a hundred percent confirm it, but you know the educated guess it'll be the same crew as we saw on the semifinal games, which was Jacques Collinsworth, Jason Garrett, and Zora Stevenson on the sidelines. And yeah, we'll check out. Uh, USFL action. So if you're, you're jonesing for some football, this might be your last chance for some actual live uh, <laughs> hidden out there on the, the gridiron until the teams return to Canton, you know, for the start of NFL preseason. But that game goes off on NBC 8 p.m. Eastern on uh, Saturday. Well, well, I mentioned Devin McCourty. I believe he will be a part of the NBC Sunday night football pregame crew there. So that's where the other McCourty. I was wondering I know both McCourty's had just kind of, you know, Jason does good morning football too, but Devin McCourty, his twin brother, he's going to be a part, I believe, of NBC Football Night in America, the pregame show there. So uh, that's where you're going to see both McCourty's doing the football uh, NFL this season. You mentioned the USFL, Jack Collinsworth, look for him on Notre Dame games, Jason Garrett, Zora Stevenson. All right, uh, off the – uh, NFL, the you know, the football world. Let's go over to the pond yet again with the Tour de France and Wimbledon taking center stage in the summertime. Yeah, you know, I always enjoy the this time of year. I know a lot of, you know, um, sports fans are like, hey, this is the, the real dog days of summer. You know, there's no football. There's no hoops. It's just, you know, the middle of the baseball season, all these things. But I've always enjoyed, you know, these big events that that uh, go down over in Europe. And I think they make for outstanding television. Uh, Wimbledon will, will get started um, at the beginning of next week, you know, beginning on on ESPN uh, covering things there. And then kind of a real sleeper television event that I think is just outstanding year in and year out is the Tour de France. And if you haven't watched any Tour de France, if you're into TV, sports, live broadcasting, Tour de France is as impressive of a production as you'll see across the sports world. The way they're able to, you know, go through the Alps with all their equipment and uh, follow this thing every step of the way with aerial shots, not to mention um, on the ground production and so forth. And, you know, they've they've got veteran uh, um, uh, announcers on the call as well. Phil Liggett, who's known, known as the voice of cycling, it'll be his 51st Tour de France. So if you're looking for a guy who knows his stuff, uh, just tune into, you know, NBC and USA Network. Uh, It's a 
big, big production. It starts July 1st, goes all the way to July 23rd every day. You know, there, there's action and so forth. So I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to those guys. You know, really uh, a cool deal that, you know, I'm a change of pace, I would imagine, for a lot of uh, sports fans to tune into some some cycling. But it is a, a big, big deal over there in Europe and, you know, um, uh, nation or um, internationally as well. And uh, again, just the TV production alone makes it worth uh, tuning in for some of it. All right. Uh, we know uh, Wimbledon, by the way, uh, man, um, it used to be that, uh, the, you know, ESPN used to really focus on uh, the tennis stuff. Uh, you're going to get NBC, of course, uh, for for the for the Wimbledon stuff, but I felt like this time of the year is where you're always tuning in, and ESPN would have these early morning tennis match on, pushing all their program off uh, for the people who enjoy watching. I guess you get the uh, the French and the Wimbledon this time of the year. So tennis, summertime, center stage, and of course the Tour de France. Also NASCAR. We had Rick Allen back in episode seven of announcer schedules, and he's going to be on the call with the NASCAR crew for another event this weekend. Yeah, NBC made their debut for the NASCAR Cup Series last weekend with a race in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, this weekend they're taking on a a whole new endeavor, which is racing on the streets of uh, Chicago. And this is a huge production talking about, you know, a a television uh, production that requires a lot of resources and a lot of thinking outside the box and all those kind of things. So uh, they've put together this this big deal NBC has uh, executive producer Sam Flood and company uh, taking on this endeavor. And you mentioned Rick Allen. He's the primary, you know, play-by-play uh, race caller for the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, his partners, Dale Jarrett, Jeff Burton, and Steve Letarte, uh, along with Mike Bagley, who's a, a voice that you typically hear associated with the radio side, MRN Radio, who handles the NASCAR radio. Well, they're going to do a radio style broadcast throughout the course. And for those who don't know exactly what that means, if you're ever to have the chance to tune into either MRN or PRN radio, basically you kind of hand it off to the different announcers at as they the cars go around the track is is the radio style of doing things. So there'll be a different announcer handling like each turn on an oval. Well, on a street course, it makes even more sense because you can't see everything from you know a, a press box or that kind of thing or an announcer's booth. And so they'll have these different announcers, including you know the the typical analysts, Dale Jr., Jeff Burton, and Steve Letarte, at different locations throughout the road course throughout the street course and then they'll be giving you know play by play um, along with their analysis as the uh, race cars uh, head to these different uh, junctures throughout the uh, city of Chicago so real interesting stuff there they'll they'll have their their typical pit reporters also uh, along with their uh, studio coverage but a big endeavor similar to you know the Tour de France which also by the way is an NBC sports production uh, going down on the streets of Chicago this weekend and you know I know the the racing industry is interesting to see uh, just how how well it goes off but um, you know hat tip to the NBC crew they're working overtime this weekend to pull that one off all right uh, as always, uh, you know we keep you up to date on everything: NASCAR, golf, tennis, uh, cycling, and some of the people that have been uh, acknowledged for their work in all these sports. The National Sports Media Association Awards (NSMA). Uh, let's uh, give some recognition there. Well, first, you know, always whenever we mention this organization, you know, 
co-host of the show, Mike Gill, a, a former uh, winner of an award from the NSMA uh, for New Jersey uh, Sportscaster of the Year. Well, they had their big event uh, up here in North Carolina this past week, and I know you know this organization uh, is really revered by the industry because it, it truly is like an, an inside-the-industry type deal. So just wanted to go over some of the big award winners. Uh, there was a couple of Hall and Hall of Fame inductees, uh, who you see, uh, obviously, on your televisions quite a bit. Uh, Lee Corso, the the fixture on College Game Day. And also Bill Plaschke, you know, who's often on those uh, debate shows, uh, known more as a uh, sports writer if you were to look at his career as a whole, but certainly has gained notoriety, you know, on the on ESPN shows like Around the Horn and that kind of thing. The West Durham Voice of College Sports Award. So, you know, uh, sort of a lifetime achievement award on the college sports side went to Rich Chovkin of the Georgetown Hoyas. He's been the play-by-play voice there since 1974. Um, Ian Eagle, uh, the National Sportscaster of the Year, you know that certainly uh, was a popular choice there. Obviously, uh, Ian on the NFL, on the NBA, he does you know Nets games on the Yes Network, and then he'll take over the Final Four. Uh, duties from Jim Nance uh, beginning uh, this upcoming spring. Lisa Salters, the 2022 Best Sideline Reporter. Uh, We've talked about Lisa um, on the podcast before quite a bit, you know, her handling of uh, the NBA with the top crew, including the NBA Finals and all those post-game interviews and that kind of thing, but also her work with Monday Night Football. And, you know, she was honored for her work this past year in 2022, which included that DeMar Hamlin game and her handling things from the sidelines there. And then Last but not least, Andrea Carter, named 2022 Best Young Reporter, and she is on a fast track, an up-and-comer, Andrea Carter, uh, ESPN and SEC Network, both college football and college hoops. And then most recently, she was on the desk, you know, for the ESPN's coverage of the NBA draft, you know, with uh, J.J. Redick and, and Jay Billis. So she was there in an analyst role. So um, impressive stuff there for Andrea Carter, and she was recognized, you know, by – uh, the National Sports Media Association with a with a big award as you know the top young reporter. So um, appreciate all the work those behind the scenes with the NSMA do. And um, yeah, congratulations to all the award winners. Yeah, they usually, by the way, hold that banquet down in your neck of the woods somewhere in North Carolina, I believe, is where uh, the banquet is. So yeah, um, Winston Salem. Yep, uh, I I did not make it to the event the year that I was recognized, but. Uh, I know a lot of people who have been up for those awards in our region and say it's a great event down there in North Carolina. By the way, a couple other broadcasting notes. The match is tonight. That is uh, Ernie Johnson, Trevor Immelman, Charles Barkley, Catherine Tappan, Draymond Green, and Von Miller is your broadcast team. That's on TNT, uh, True TV, the match. This is uh, this year, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey against Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They've done these golf events where they uh, generally have paired a player from the golf world, Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Rory McIlroy. These are just four players playing against each other. Four, uh, two NFLers against two NBA players. That's the match tonight. But how about that broadcast team? Ernie Johnson, Trevor Liverman, Charles Barkley, Catherine Tappan, Draymond Green, Von Miller. They're going all out. I know, going all out. Have you watched that in past years? I mean, isn't part of it also they have the the players mic'd up? Yeah, it's, it's, like a sh- yep, yeah. Yep, it's a lot of goofing off. Yeah, it's a lot of goofing off. 
Um, so you got that uh, as well in the broadcasting world. The Senior Open this weekend, Dan Hicks, Paul Azinger, uh, they're on the call there for uh, the Golf Channel and Peacock. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening uh, start this weekend. As you said, there's a lot of um, of the non-traditional sports that are kind of getting uh, the, the CONCACAF for the soccer fans out there. We talk about J.P. Della Camera, uh, John Strong. They both are on call. Stu Holden was with John Strong for Haiti, Mexico. That's on FS1. And uh, J.P. Della Camera and Kobe Jones. Remember Kobe Jones from the USA soccer team? That's on FS1, Qatar versus Honduras. So you've got a lot of stuff happening in the doldrums of summer, the broadcasters continue to go. And we have one tomorrow, a very versatile broadcaster, George Sedano, uh, who is a radio host. He's a play-by-player. He's an insider. He's a sideline reporter. He's done studio shows. You're going to really hear uh, a bunch about the business when we talk to George Sedano uh, for a standalone interview. We're going to record that tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe to the feed for that interview. But that's going to be a good one. Yeah, I can't wait to to talk to George. You know, I've known George since he really got his career off the ground down in Miami. You know, he um, was grinding away in the, the sports talk radio world and, you know, worked at some really small stations you know, <laughs> that were in the shadow of, uh, you know, WQAM and company and, you know, would uh, just um, persevere through it all and continue to 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 grind uh, to uh, get more and more exposure and more opportunities. And eventually, you know, he, he kept on moving up the ladder as a sports talk radio host. He started to do work with the, the Miami heat. And then next thing, you know, he's uh, getting national gigs, you know, places like Fox sports radio and, and that kind of thing. And then he, he gets on television and starts doing work with, with ESPN. And uh, he's just uh, done an outstanding job as far as a guy who uh, has made things happen for himself. And, you know, certainly um, has, uh, risen up the ranks over there at ESPN. You know, we see him as a uh, top sideline reporter on a lot of the, the NBA games. We see him on those debate shows that we talked about when we were talking about Bill Plaschke and, and that kind of thing. Uh, he, he's got a, a big uh, talk show out there in, in Los Angeles also uh, for an ESPN affiliate. And he's been starting to do um, more play-by-play also. You know, he was doing some some games last year, especially for ESPN Radio on the college football side. So it's going to be really interesting to talk to George, I think, as far as his whole career arc and, you know, how he's made things happen. And, you know, um, really looking forward to, to this conversation. One of my old buddies from from the, the Miami scene, Mike. I, I've had him on the radio show with me before. He's very good. It'll be a fun conversation. George Sedano drops tomorrow on the last word on sports so make sure you subscribe to the feed like rate review subscribe this podcast and of course uh we're back um each and every week we drop generally on thursdays right here on last word on sports last word on sports media tj reeves uh, i did listen to that jt the brick by the way i just finished that out that was an excellent conversation jt very insightful about the radio business if you're somebody uh who enjoys that i recommend going back and checking that out and uh, last word on sports Media also this week did a kind of a roundtable of the halfway point of the, of the year in media. And, of course, tell me a story I don't know with George Hoffman. Always really well uh, uh, done conversations with uh, different media personalities with a Chicago slant. So check those out on the feed. And, of course, we have the announcer scheduled podcast here on Last Word on Sports. And we will be back next week. Uh, Make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe once again to the feed to get all these conversations. Uh, All right. For Phil, 
I'm Mike. This has been episode 54 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. We'll talk to you next week, everybody.